0: Our gospel lesson today is found in the book of Acts in the fourth chapter, and it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. As I mentioned, I I myself am getting over a cold, so I'm going to need to sip on some water a bit. So, i also sorry if I sound a little froggy, uh, but so today we're going to talk a little bit about this prayer that the apostles prayed. Uh, the church got together and then they prayed. Uh, so the first thing I would say, who here ever in their life has ever prayed at all? Okay, that makes sense. Uh, most, uh, all of us in here. Uh, now the real question is when you pray. There's there's different. I, I think there's almost different forms. Uh, who here prays hand to hand? You get the full like church steeple going. Okay, okay, we got one there. I've I, I prayed like this as a kid. You know, you got uh, who here is a folder? You pray your, your folder. You hold them together. Okay, yeah, see, got some folders in here. Who here is a full on touchdowner? The end of football season—that's a sore point I know. Uh, I always uh, then, of course, there, there's quick prayer. Sometimes you pray like during your day-to-day life, right? There's times where you sit down and you're like, "Okay, well, I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray." There's other times where you have kind of like a quick, a shotgun prayer. My wife calls this "stop talking to Jesus about me" uh, when you do the "Oh Lord." Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, real quick, as we're talking about prayer today, I found a fun video. Here are some killer tips to a better, a better prayer life. Hi, I'm John, and I'm Chachi. We're getting your ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God, the Bible, and spiritual living. And you know, why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us, there are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I a better prayer life. Well good news we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. Right, we're not doing a title a dance, let's just gotta get into this. When you're saying a prayer in the public, you want to use the phrase Father God as much as humanly possible. Just last week I said a 30-second prayer and got 17 Father God's in it. look, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying with a little bit of effort, it can be done. If you have a prayer request but don't actually want to request it, simply say, unspoken. I currently have six unspokens that I'm praying for this guy about. Johnny, sorry to bother you, but I actually have another prayer request. Okay. What? It's unspoken. (laughs) Okay, well, that's seven. And while I have no clue what I'm praying about, someone does. Just no one here me. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And well, we believe in the Bible. Chachi has been praying without ceasing for over 32 hours now. Chachi, how do you feel? Why, where am I? Well, Chachi, you have been praying for over 32 hours straight. You feel pretty good? Can I get a restroom break? <laughs> Not if you want to fully obey scripture. Let's say you become privy to some juicy information about someone. they don't want to be seen as a gossip. We've got good news. You're good to go if you put it in the form of a prayer request. <laughs> I still cannot believe what Jill said to Keith. I can't believe it either, Did you know that John got canned. What? Are you Some think your prayer position is irrelevant, but we have found that your prayer position can not only boost your prayer life, but can stretch you physically. Chuck, why don't you go ahead and show us some examples? Well, I wasn't really planning on praying, but I guess I could give it a shot. Okay. Oh, very nice. Good. That is classic. Wow. Seriously, wow. <laughs> The last thing you do when you pray is fairly obvious. You say, amen. And if you happen to be in a group of people holding hands, it's imperative that you accompany that amen with a physical action known as the hand squeeze. <laughs> the squeeze lets the people on either side of you know, hey, the prayer's over. I care about you, but I'm letting go now. And when you are holding hands, never their because that can make your prayer partners a little uncomfortable. We want to thank you for watching, or shall I say, growing in your prayer life. Yeah, now can we do the the title, Dance Moves? No, just kind of say thanks for watching. That's seriously unreal. This is actually my miracle position. (laughs) Well, I don't even need to preach now. That took care of it for me. So, like, that's obviously it's silly, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and for those of us maybe who have grown up in the church, uh, some of those are a little more pointed than others. <laughs> uh, but we're going to look a little bit at, uh, at this, this prayer that the apostles prayed. But I kind of want to catch us up a, a bit, you know, in case maybe some of you haven't been here for the whole thing, because we're going through the whole book of Acts, and it's a big one. And so we want to have this in the context of everything. And so. Uh, The book of Acts starts with Jesus, who was just raised from the dead. He commissions the church, tells them, hey, I want you to go into all nations and preach the gospel. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. So Jesus bodily, alive, leaves earth and goes to heaven and tells the church to wait for what he's promised them, which is the Holy Spirit to come and fill them with power. While they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they replace Judas Who's one of the twelve apostles who betrayed Jesus. They replaced him with Matthias. And then they're all praying together, about a hundred or twenty of them, who are these first, very first Christians. And they have this experience where the Holy Spirit comes and immerses them and fills them. And they begin to speak in other languages in the middle of this large Jewish feast. And so all these people around hear the the early church and these apostles pray Praying in all these different languages, and they think they're drunk, like you do. And so then the, Peter comes out and he preaches a sermon to these three thousand people, and three thousand people get added to the church. So a bunch of people are added to the church. So then after this, uh, they, all these three thousand who heard that Peter preach and become part of the early church get baptized, and then. All this stuff, then the church just kind of happens for a little bit. It talks about that, hey, the church is growing and everyone's sharing their stuff together and all those sort of good things. And then we jump back into where we started a couple of weeks ago, where Peter and John are going to the temple to do just a regular thing. They're going to pray just like they would any other day. And then there's a beggar there who's asking for money. And then Peter and John pray for the beggar. He gets healed. He stands up, this guy's been crippled since birth, stands up and gets up, and then a bunch of people notice, and they're like, hey, this doesn't usually happen, this guy who's been crippled for a long time just stood up, and this guy who prayed over him in Jesus' name did it, and so Peter preaches another sermon to this large group that's gathered because Peter had healed this crippled guy. And then, as we talked about last week, uh, the religious leaders show up, the, the Jewish uh, t- uh, like priests and things like that, and they're kind of upset because this, this, all this is happening, and it happened because he preached to them about Jesus. And so they arrest them, tell them to stop. Stop doing this or else. And basically, Peter and John say, well, you know what? We're not going to listen to you. We're going to obey God rather than obey Jesus you and then they get released and here we are. That was the first four Acts or four chapters of Acts in a nutshell. And we start with this where it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own <coughs> sorry their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. So they're released from the so basically they've been told not to preach in Jesus' name. The The elders and the chief priests release them. They go back to the church and they tell them what happened. They say, Hey, you know what? Here's what happened. They told us, they threatened us not to preach in the name of Jesus. And we told them, basically, "Mm, we're going to do what we want and we're going to obey God rather than you. And the response to that is prayer. And so our first thought there is how do we respond when people come against us because of what we believe? Because we've talked about over and over in Acts that we see that the early church's faith was public. It wasn't something that they just kept to themselves. And sometimes when we don't keep our faith to ourselves, we're willing to talk about what we believe. There are going to be people who don't like that. There are going to be people who object to what we believe. And so how do we respond to that? And you can see the common response. And a lot of times our, our response is to try maybe to defend ourselves. Uh, And Peter does some of that. And and our response is, you know, sometimes our response is to to get angry. Sometimes our response is all these different things. But I like this, that when the church gets together and they decide, how are we going to initially respond to persecution? They begin to pray. And there's great power in in that because the, the way that prayer changes our attitude. I believe that God often uses prayer to change us or to use us to change something, which is the opposite of what we often use prayer for. And we see we see examples of, of, of this throughout scripture, but we, we often want to pray. God, I want you to do this for someone else, which is okay, and it's an acceptable thing to do. We pray for others, and we want God to to interfere in the life, or interfere, but to do something significant in someone else's life. We want God to change something in in our life. We want God to to intervene in a situation. Often, though, when we pray for others, if, if we're consistent in that, you find that not only does God act on their behalf, but God gives us compassion for those people. God uses, God changes us as we pray for others. Or God says, hey, you know, you've been praying for this, you've been praying for this, you've been praying for this. When are you going to do something about it? Like maybe, maybe you're someone and you think I'm going to pray for world peace, which is a good thing to pray for. Pray, pray for, for peace. And then God says, well, what are you going to do about it? If you're going to pray for this, I'm going to call you into action to do something. So, the first thing that they do is they pray. And often we do the opposite, where prayer becomes something that we go to as a last resort, not a first resort. So, when situations get bad, we try try to fix them. Uh, We try to resolve them ourselves. We try to convince people. We try to do all these things. But the first thing the church did when they encountered difficulty was they prayed. What's your first response to the difficulties in your life? What's your your default option? Is your default option to say, Jesus, you're in control of this and I'm not. So I ask that you would be in this situation. You would change me to make me more like you. Or is it to try to do it yourself? I know that I am a, a prideful idiot and I try to fix things myself. I think that I can control the world around me. I can control the situation and circumstances But really, God is in control, and our first response is modeled to us, that we're called to pray. And I love their prayer. They say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They acknowledge God's overarching control of everything, that God God is, is the creative force behind the universe. And he goes on to say, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus. It's a pretty bold prayer. It's a pretty direct prayer. You know, they're not—they're not pulling. They're not hey, God, you know, if you want to, you can intervene in this. If you kind of feel like it, like they are they i love that their prayers are, are bold. They—they they declare something. Uh, I also think it's interesting. One of the things they don't pray for—they—they they pray for a lot of things in there, and there's something that they don't ever pray for. They don't pray for their own safety. They don't pray for their own comfort. They don't say, God, uh, enable us to speak your word with boldness as long as it doesn't interfere with my day-to-day life. God, I want to be able to speak your word with boldness unless it makes me that guy at work. Uh, I want to speak your word with boldness as long as nobody uh, kills me. Which is a real possibility in their case because they were just... Peter and John were just thrown in with all these people who had killed Jesus. So these people have already killed someone over this sort this whole Jesus situation. And so they don't pray for their safety, but what they do pray for is boldness and that God would enable them to do more of what had just gotten them into trouble. For more of what had just gotten them into trouble. Often we pray for safety instead of for boldness. Often we don't see our prayers answered because we are praying for things that are opposite of what God wants for our lives. God empowers us with his spirit for mission. Because God gave us a mission here on the earth to tell everyone about Jesus. And God empowers us and answers prayers for mission. So when we pray we pray for safety instead of boldness. Often we pray last instead of first. The passage ends with this. It says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. Prayer is the unexpected key to the mission that God's given us for our lives. If you want to live in a way That is, hey, this is what God put me on earth for. The reason that you were born. If you want to live in that way, you have to pray. You have to be willing to say, God, use me how you want to. Take me out of a life that's safe. And instead, take me on a life that has purpose. Jesus empowers us for mission. And this power is rooted in prayer. God uses prayer to change us and to use us to change things in our world. To fulfill our life purpose, we have to pray. Prayer is the key to living our lives on mission. We have to pray for boldness instead of praying for safety. And we need to be people who pray first instead of last. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, help us to reorder the priority of our lives. Jesus, you didn't come to be served, but to, instead you came to serve humanity. You came to give your life as a ransom for us. God, we ask that you would change our hearts and that you would make us people, you would make us a church of prayer, that we would make prayer the first thing that we do when we face difficulty or or we, we don't know what to do in our lives, that we would be people who pray bold prayers, that you would put us on the mission that you made us to, knowing that through prayer you empower us by your spirit to work and to live our lives on your mission. Help us to be be selfless in prayer in our lives. Help us to make make prayer a priority in our day-to-day life. Help help us not just to pray in circumstances where where we, we need you to intervene, but help us to pray as a habit because through prayer we know you. Through prayer we get to speak to you and hear you speak back to us. God, we ask that for each of us today that we would take a step of faith. Knowing that you've called us to follow you. God, whether that's today to take a step of faith for the first time and say, Jesus, today I believe in you that you died for me. That you're the son of God raised from the dead and that I can find life through you by declaring you as Lord and Savior. Or if it's by taking a a step of faith for the first time in a long time and saying, God, I'm going to step up and I'm going to begin to pray. And I'm going to begin to read your word and I'm going to begin to let you change my life and make me more like you, Jesus, that I can be fully devoted to following you. Or whether it's to take a step of faith and say, I'm going to be a person of prayer starting today. Jesus, you invite each of us to your table once again. to Just as you took the bread and you broke it, that we take the, the broken bread and we remember that your body was broken for us. And just as you took the cup and you poured it out and you said, this is the new covenant in my blood. We also take the juice and we remember that your blood was poured out for us in a new covenant that we could know God through your sacrifice, Jesus. That we could find forgiveness through your sacrifice. We take this moment of communion and we reflect on what you're speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.